2: Nice 3-0 win against the Welsh. Couldn't faster anymore, really, could we? Uh, Joining me today, we've got the two usuals. We've got Jamie and Lee. First of all, Jamie, how are you, mate?
3: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Uh, Just off the high of the win last night. I mean, looks a bit like every other group game at half-time where they're all 0-0 and then all of a sudden it was three. But, yeah, cracking performance and enjoy Gonna enjoy reviewing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: it's interesting about the the nil nils as well. You said it was just earlier on. Earlier on, they said in the last World Cup, there was only one nil nil in the whole tournament. I think there have been quite a few, aren't there, in this one? Every every game seems to be like uh, loads of goals or none.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was the the 2018 in in Russia. It was Denmark and France that finished nil nil. The only reason I remember it's because they got (laughs) their (laughs) back.
2: I had a goal oh, goal so in every game not with the nil-nil. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, how about you, Lee? Have you got any um how are you doing? Have you got any, any sub story bets? Too many, too. We haven't got enough time for my sob
4: story bets. Um yeah, I'm <laughs> great, thanks, Dan. Uh great to be here. Really happy about the result and the performance. Uh, we march on.
2: Yeah, I mean you mentioned the the performance. I thought they were much better, weren't they? Much better against Wales. Um, for me, I think the first half, it was a bit, it was like eventless really, but it was setting up the second half. Like England just they passed the ball around, they kept the ball, they moved Wales and they wore them down in the first half. And then in the second half, they pounced and created the chances and, and you know, finished won the game there, didn't they?
4: We totally dictated things in the first half, I felt. we We could have put more pressure on. We should have scored. Pretty early on the Rashford chance, um, we'd fancy him to put that away. In all honesty, great pass from Kane to find him. Uh, but the, the first half performance was it was decent. We definitely looked in control of that match, and any worries we had about Wales coming along and with the you know the Welsh passion and all the rest of it, we, it just wasn't a problem. We, we got the ball back pretty much every time we wanted to. We definitely, definitely looked. A, a lot better than them in the first half and you were confident they were gonna we gonna go in, and do something in the second.
2: Yeah, I mean Jamie, I mean Lily mentioned there, you know, that we were they we had sort of worries about Wales and you know and then being really up for the game and that. I suppose, you know, was it they were very disappointing really throughout the tournament and, and that was definitely a part of last night, weren't they? They were disappointing. Um they never they never looked to me like they believed they could go and win the game. It was just like they got they
3: got into the game and they knew it was a big game, but they had no plan. It was just 11 guys on a pitch who didn't know what they were going to do and how they were going to cope. And I think the Iran game absolutely ruined them, purely because of how late they lost it. Um, and I just think they've got a bit of a hangover from that game um, and didn't need to be playing England um, and an England that were were ready for him as well. England had gone into that game, they knew, we win this game, we topped the group, we've done everything we need to do. England were ready for that game. Um, And as as Lee said, we were good first half, thought we lacked a little bit of creativity um, and I wouldn't have complained if they'd have taken Rashford off at half-time because I don't think he did much first half, but the pressing all round from England was great. Um, looks a lot more energetic than he did against the USA with with no end product um, in the first half, apart from the Rashford chance. And then, second half, he just blew him away.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I say, with, with the Iran game as well. I mean, Iran sort of were the dominant side against Wales, weren't they? they? They sort of you know, passed, I'm mean, not to the extent that England did, but they sort of dominated that game as well, did not they? I think they've just really, they've never really got a game. I think they've got the main players seem to have aged in the last sort of six months since they qualified, haven't they? And you do, you do with Wales, I mean, this I think we'll sort of move on more into what England do after this, but for me, I think Wales are sort of drawing a line in the sand after this tournament, and you'll probably not see like a Ramsey, Allen, um, Hennessy, Bale, possibly. You probably won't see them again in a Wales shirt, and it's probably time for them to bring sort of the new generation through. And they've got to hope that those players who are moving out now have inspired some youngsters coming through. You know, um, kids in that who are coming through now. Yeah, I just think I think Bale will
3: still get in. I think you're right with Ramsey, Allen, Hennessy. Although after Wayne Hennessy, where'd you go? Because Danny Ward, Danny Ward was not good last night. Um I, I just don't see a goalkeeper coming through for them. I, I think Gareth Bale's too much of a talisman to drop when you've got no one else. Like Brendan Johnson's good, but he's not Gareth Bale.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, Lee, I mean, you mentioned earlier on about Kane, didn't you? That ball he put through for Rashford early on and, you know, what a great pass that was. And then obviously he got his assist in the second half where he sort of put the ball where he knew he'd want it. Didn't even look, did he? Just knew exactly where he needed to put it. Yeah. Um, Obviously, no goals yet for Kane in the World Cup, but he is the you know, the only player with more than two assists in the whole competition at the time of recording. So, he is still contributing. Are you are you worried by his lack of goals, or are you happy for him to carry on as he is you know, with, with the game that he's currently you know, putting out?
4: I've been happy with every single minute of Kane's performances in all the games, to be honest. I think he's been good. Um, of course, you'd like to see him getting more goals, but... The team's scoring enough goals over the three games. Um, Nine goals is a good return. Harry Kane, he's he's one of those players, yeah, he he just wants the team to win. He'd love to win a trophy and he'd love to win the big one. And if we can get to the World Cup final and win it without him scoring, you'd take it. And you know he'd take it, just as long as we win it. So he won't be that concerned himself either, as long as he knows that he's making a, a big contribution, which he is. He's making an enormous contribution. Um, to talk about that assist for the second goal, it was it was really satisfying to watch that go in. The, the, just the whole, we press them, you know. Rashford, his tails up, he's nicked the ball back. Kane's got it. He's he's not even looked. You you'd think it was like it was something from Kevin De Bruyne the way he's put the ball across. Absolutely perfect. And Foden's had a decent game himself. He smashed it home, and that's it. It's, it is game over from that point on. And it's moments like that where you say, okay, Harry Kane hasn't scored, but who else is putting a pass in like that? What a pass it was. So, yeah, it, I'm happy enough with Kane personally.
2: Yeah, you, you do feel that if it was, if De Bruyne had done that pass, people, you know, it would be the headline news, wouldn't it, for the next 24 hours, repeated <laughs> on the hour. And you do you sort of feel that. I think Kane gets sort of undervalued a lot of the time by, you know, the, the media and, and England fans, to be honest. I think not all of them, but I think there's quite a few out there who don't appreciate just you know just what he does do for this side He,
4: he might just get the one goal winner in a 1-0 win because the, the wins are big now it's win or go home so if, if you've got a player that's he, he's that player that pops up for them too or he's the penalty taker that you know will smash it home and he does that fair play to him, he, but so far for me his contribution's been absolutely fine and I think he will get on the score sheet
2: yeah I mean, somebody else whose sort of contribution uh, was quite apparent last night was Jordan Henderson. I mean, Jamie, he came in the side, didn't he? He's not sort of not played in the World Cup, not started, came straight in, showed passion, showed desire, and, and just organised the squad, didn't he? Sort of directed everybody from the middle of the pitch, and really showed you know the value that that he brings in in certain games.
3: Yeah, he's just another captain, but like when you, when you have him and Kane on the pitch, you've got someone who leads by example, and someone who will shout, and he'll tell everyone where to be. And how many times did you hear Jermaine Gina say that last night? Um, every time, everything that was good about England with the pressing was being led by Jordan Henderson. He was encouraging everyone to get stuck in. Every time he did something good, he was clapping, he was shouting. You could hear him on the TV as well. Um, and that's what he brings in. He does that for Liverpool week in, week out, and you get mixed reactions from England fans, especially about Jordan Anderson a lot, don't think he should be in the squad. And then you watch him last night, he's just a calm head, he's got a lot of experience, he's a Premier League and Champions League winning captain. Um, I mean, there's there's not many of them in the England squad. Um, and yeah, he just brings the calmness to the game, slows it down, does the right things, makes the right passes. And yeah, his leadership is, is massively underrated.
2: Yeah, I mean... What do you think? Obviously, he wasn't the only change either, was he? I mean, what about Phil Foden? People have been clamoring for him to come into the side. Um, He did come in, obviously, Sterling Saka dropped out. Rashford came in, got his two goals. But what do you think about Phil Foden and his sort of the game he had? So, I I think he was
3: similar to Rashford, where in the first half there was glimpses, but there was nothing that said if he went off, had been too fussed, but they switched sides, didn't they? And he went over to the left where he plays for Man City, Rashford went over to the right, and the whole game changed. Um and and that for me was what probably should have been the starting formation: Rashford on the right and Foden on the left. In a game like that, you can experiment and see, but I just thought they were ineffective on the sides they started on. As soon as he swapped over, like I said, the game changed. Um, and Foden was then head down, running at people, twisting, turning, winning free kicks, scoring his goal um, in the right position because that's what he does for Man City. And yeah, I I thought Phil Foden was great second half.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously he's put his name in the hat for the last 16. And I think Marcus Rashford, there's no doubting that he's, you know, made himself a a strong contender for a starting place, at least with those two two great goals, really, weren't they, Lee? I mean... The free kick I think the pace of the free kick has beaten the goalkeeper, and then the second one it's possible again probably the pace is what's what's flummocks the keeper you know but he probably should save that, but up until that point it was a fantastic run and, and dribble as well wasn't it
4: it was, but I think just he scored two goals and and maximum credit to him that the free kick was a still had to be a decent shot, and it was definitely the pace that's caught the keeper out. I think you could argue a lot of keepers would have saved it. Well, Rashford's seen the gap, and he's put it there, and it's a goal. And and for the second goal, again, he's just he's hit it. The keeper perhaps wouldn't expect him to hit it so so quickly. Just caught him out, as you say, but you've got to have a pop. And and this is what you see sometimes, at strikers who, who will just take a chance and have a go, that, that's how they, they boost the numbers up. And they, they're not hesitant, and they'll test the keeper. The ball might come out, and somebody else knocks it home, but... He's a dangerous player. Is I really? I, I can only praise him for uh, for both goals.
2: Well, he, he's not in a bad list now because there's only five players who've scored more goals for England at World Cups than Marcus Rashford. So they are Gary Lineker, Harry Kane, Jeffers, Bobby Charlton, and Michael Owen. So he's not in bad company there, is he?
4: No, not at all. It's good company indeed.
2: Yeah. yeah. He's in good company
3: at the top of them scoring. Yeah, Jones I mean, there's well.
2: only when Kane and Hurst, who've actually scored more than three in a in a single World Cup as well. So one more goal, and he sort of narrows that list down again to just those three. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't think he gets the credit he
3: deserves at the minute, Marcus Rashford, because he is playing well. And he was playing well for Man United before the tournament.
2: So Yeah, because I think he's had he has, you know, I'm sure they will admit he's probably had a couple of years, hasn't he? Probably since you know since football broke up for lockdown and, you know, since he came back, he's he's not really been hitting the heights, has he, until probably the last three months? But fair play to him and fair play to Gareth Southgate, really, for he's picked a man in form, hasn't he? He's not sort of gone with you know who who's been playing best twelve months ago. He's gone with the now Who's playing for now? Who can I bring in? Who's full of confidence right now? And that was Marcus Rashford. Yeah, he did the same with Madison
3: as well, but we're yet to see
2: him. I think it. we yet to see him train a minute, aren't we? Unfortunately,
3: he he trained apparently last last week, so that's why I was quite surprised he didn't actually
2: come up. Uh, I mean, talking about Southgate, by the way, we're doing a bit of research today. So that was his tenth win in finals last night. So, some Southgate stats for him, He has 10 wins, four draws, and three defeats in 17 games at finals. So, that's two World Cups and a Euros. So, that's more wins than any other manager in history, England manager in history. He's played more games than any England manager in history. And of the 13, we're not going to count Allardyce in his one game, but of the 13 managers that were before him, if you combine the amount of wins, that Winterbottom, Revy, Taylor Venables, Keegan, McLaren, Capello and Hodgson got they didn't get his, they didn't get as many combined as self has got on his own.
3: Are we just gonna forget Gladard managed? manage Yeah, anyway? said, they're
2: just those ones I mentioned. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Right, okay.
3: I was like, you you went, you seemed to go through him in the time frame, and I was like, we've missed out like, nine, eight. Yeah, so I, missed, so I missed out Ramsey,
2: Greenwood, Robson, Hoddle, and Ericsson. Right.
3: Fair,
2: yeah. fair. I didn't even think about well, it. Yeah, fair. so Southgate's <laughs> got 10 and 17. Those eight managers combined got nine and 37. Wow. And he still gets stick, and he still gets people saying he shouldn't be in the job. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean he's a bit—he's pragmatic,
3: into that's—that's the way to describe him. And he's a proper—and I said this on a on a pod when we previewed the whole tournament. He's a tournament manager. He knows what he knows how to get through a tournament. No one can, no one can say he can't because we've been to
2: a semi final, a final, and whatever we do this time, you can't argue with the. I'm record. sure. I'm sure. Leah, didn't he get to a couple of semi finals and finals with the under twenty ones as well.
4: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did, didn't he? I, I can't remember his exact history. But I, I think when he was the manager of the under-21s, it was clear that he was going to be taking over the first team at some point. It always felt that way. And it, it almost felt that like that was the way that the FA would like it to be, that there was that conveyor belt that was constantly there. Um, it doesn't seem to go that way. But, but Southgate, for me, he, he's done a fantastic job so far. And even if they go out at the weekend, which I, I actually don't think they will... But if they went out at the weekend, I don't think there'd be anybody that you could say would be a logical, you know, a fair replacement for him. And we just have to continue with him anyway. So, no, let's just get behind him.
2: Yeah, I think I think where it is is he we've always had play, managers who wanted to try and play, you know, get our players to play in the way they play in the Premier League, which is quite end to end, quite frenetic. And I think the Premier League's changing as there's more foreign management. We've had foreign players for a while. Now we're getting more and more foreign managers coming over. And I think that's now affecting how we're playing in the Premier League. It's becoming more continental there. So our players are used to playing in this sort of more continental way now. That's my theory on it anyway, I think. That that's helping him because he wants he knows that in an international football if you lose the ball you might not see it for another five or six minutes because teams are very good at keeping it and very good at working you. And he what you want is you need to be able to keep the ball to be successful at international level when you get to the elite level.
4: Yeah, I think we've we've had good players for a while, and when I say for a while, I mean you know since well before Gareth Southgate. So I don't think having the quality of football has ever been the issue. I think quite possibly so the environment of the Premier League, how traditionally, and I say traditionally, when I say about the Premier League, perhaps over 10 years, 20 years ago, you would say it was a very, very physical league compared to others across Europe and and players who played in the Premier League week in, week out, didn't always translate well to international football, did get some significant cards and incidents in games that, that might even back that up. So, yeah, the way that the Premier League is now, the the almost modernisation of it, you might want to call it, and, and the way that the game is, what we'd call more continental style here in England, it, it's definitely worked to his benefit. You can see that the talent of the younger players coming through, players like Foden, should be able to wear it on a football pitch without being kicked off it. And and when we see it from our own perspective, it, it's great to watch him play, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, go, going back to last night... It was nice to see sort of trent and uh, calvin phillips make their world cup debuts as well jamie i mean obviously two players who have been injured prior to the tournament starting and yeah nice to see them get some minutes under the belt they'll be raring to go later on in the tournament if needed
3: Yeah, I mean, like from a Liverpool perspective, it was good to see Trent get on. Um, Calvin Phillips, obviously, he's only played four four times for Man City, all of them off the bench. Um, So, yeah, it's nice that he gets some minutes under his belt. Obviously, we had the inclusion of Kyle Walker as well to throw in there. He got himself a nice hour um, and looked solid in doing so. Um, So, yeah, these players who've been returning from injury and stuff like that, it's good just to get them out on the pitch. And because of the scoreline, obviously... We're a bit sure left back. Luke Shaw came off. Um, saves his legs. Kane came off. Wilson looked like quite lively when he came on. Um, yeah, I just think there's a lot to be excited about with England. I mean, if you can bring on players like Calvin Phillips and Trent Alexander-Arnold um, just for 20 minutes against Wales. <laughs> I mean, it's a good weapon to have in it. If you want to shut a game off, Calvin Phillips will do it. If you need to get an incisive pass in there or something like that,
2: Trent Alexander Arnold up delivery. And just stick out at left back. Yeah, you know, why not? Just chuck him on there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, Wales weren't doing anything, were they? So we could literally, we could have put Maguire out there and we'd have been talking
2: signed. about Maguire. There is a goal coming from, from Maguire this competition, I'm telling you. The amount of crosses that we'd find is <laughs> it's only, it's inevitable that one of going to end up in the back of the net. I'm
3: telling you, I'm having it until the end of the tournament, Harry Maguire yeah.
2: to score a header. It's,
3: it's going to happen as well. Well,
4: let me tell you something. I've been watching Harry Maguire, and I mentioned it. I think it was against the USA where he made a little jinking run into the box, and it was reminiscent of Neymar. I said it at the time. I thought, nearly, good try. Did you see the shot he had? It was shades of Roberto Carlos in the first half, and the ball's come out, and he's towards he's the penalty area. He's hit it with his left foot. I don't know why. He's gone for the top corner. But he's gone out for a throw, but it was like, but it was like Roberto Carlos-esque if you know what I mean so if he is going to score it's going to be he's going to have a Brazilian flavor to it I think and um, it might be a surprise <laughs>
3: <laughs> mate I honestly when he did that I thought it was a cross I was like wow he's over it I, I thought I'd like to believe it was a
4: shot I always do when it goes out for a throw and you know it's, it's just uh, the icing on the cake
2: so to speak <laughs> Um. But yeah, he's. I think we should all we should all back that, and then we can all celebrate even more when he does it. Definitely, yeah. World Cup final. Me, me and Lee will be jumping around <laughs> what, right be room
3: on Sunday, what kind of that redemption
2: happened? would that be? World Cup final, Harry Maguire, all he's had a, after all the abuse he's had. <laughs> one nil yeah,
3: win. Last
2: twelve months or so.
3: Claire's one... Yeah, clears one off the line at our end, goes up the other end, 89th minute of a World Cup final, nods yeah, one sounds end. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. Harry Kane takes the corner as well, just, just justice for Roy Hodgson.
2: <laughs> um, I think, well, basically, top of the group, will not it? Job done. Uh, yeah. Time to, to move on. So, Man of the Match poll, we put a Man of the Match poll on our Facebook page. Uh, Who was your man of the match? Who do you think got won it?
3: Rashford probably won it. uh, But in my opinion, the man of the match was probably again Harry
2: Maguire. Thought he was solid. Well, I'll I'll
4: go with Rashford too.
2: Rashford got 51% of the 205 votes. So yeah, he, he won it. Phil Foden was second with 11%. And Harry Maguire third with 8%. Which... Topping up onto our record, onto the uh, the points tallies that they all get from the polls, means that our player in the tournament so far is Harry Maguire with seventy nine. Rashford is in second with seventy two. Bellingham is third with seventy. Then there's a bit of a drop off. To Kieran Trippy has got forty five points, and Harry Kane has forty two. Do you think that's a fair assessment of the group stages?
3: Yeah. I think the three, our three best players have probably been them three in the group stages. I think Bellingham was a bit quiet against the USA, but he came, he was more back to being Jude Bellingham last night. I think having Henderson and Rice behind him give him that more more freedom than he gets when he plays alongside Mason Mount.
2: Yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, obviously, there is one more thing we'll do before we move into the news. Um, you know, I'll like try and get a bit of audio in that. So. Obviously, it's not as easy with these international pods to get to get um, somebody to give us a little preview or a review of the game. Uh, but there is one sort of Welsh person who's been in the so series. This is what he thought of the game.
1: <laughs>
2: so that's Nathan Jones. Cheers, to that, Nathan. nice I love that I like it Um, so yeah I'm sure that's how he I'm sure that's how he feels after seeing England not the whales out (laughs) Uh, right let's get into the news so England's well, well, we know England's last 16 opponents are Senegal after they came second in Group A. And we also know that should they win that, the quarterfinal will be against either France or Poland after tonight's games. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, even though France lost to Tunisia, uh, thanks to Antoine Griezmann's 98-20 goal being ruled out, uh, they still topped the group. And Poland were, well, through by the skin of their teeth. Um, One thing I did watch earlier on, and obviously as a Stoke fan I feel obliged to mention it because every other bugger seems to be talking about him now and there's no doubt going to whisk him away to some Premier League club in January. But Harry Suter is earning plenty of plaudits um, playing for Australia. They beat Denmark 1-0 earlier on, sealed second place in their group and qualified through to the knockouts. Uh, Lee, as a fellow Stoke fan, have you seen Harry Sutton's performances this World Cup?
4: Um, I saw his um, assist. That, that's about all I've seen of him, to tell you the truth. Um, but I am happy to see that he's he's back and playing, because what a talent he was when he was fit for Stoke. Um, I've got to be honest and say that, that where Stoke are in the Championship and where they're looking at being uh, for the foreseeable future, he might not be a Stoke player for much longer if these performances carry on. It's definitely catching a few people's eye.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jamie, have you if you caught any of Australia's games, yeah, I didn't watch today's, but the ones that I
3: have seen, um, he, he was good against France until they conceded. And um, I thought he defended very well in that game. Even even then, after he conceded, he was seemed to be the only one who could defend for Australia. And then in the in the second game, he was just very solid. Um, didn't put a foot wrong. You can see he's got an eye for a pass as well. Some of the crossfield passes he was playing, I was like, "Is that good?
2: Yeah. He's like, well, <laughs> "We we sort of said like at Stoke, he's obviously he's a bit like a quarterback in the NFL, just sort of picks the ball up, looks around, and just sprays it out of it."
3: <laughs> yeah, no, he he was good. i I've, I've been impressed because not being a Stoke fan, I don't see him much, but I've obviously heard yourself talk about him a bit in the in group chats and stuff like that so no it's nice to actually see him play and no he has been he has been good
2: but well, i mean also i mean qatar so they're only the second home nation to go out on the group stage uh any ideas who the other one is uh, south japan? africa in 2010 japan went out the last 16. Oh. Mm.
3: Yeah, I knew because I knew Korea had a good run in that World Cup, so I was like, well, Yeah, so
2: Korea got to me. the semi-finals I think, didn't
3: they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. That game <laughs> in Italy
4: wasn't the where they, they just Bad. couldn't seem to lose. Yeah <laughs> Yeah. They tried
3: <laughs> yeah. the best, but they just couldn't lose. That was that was that was thingy as well. The guy played for Palermo, didn't he? Got banned from Italy, that Angular Guam <laughs> So, like literally scored the winning goal and was not allowed back to Italy, even though that's, that's
2: where he's from. Crazy, it? <laughs> yeah. Um, just looking ahead, just in case anybody's anyone needs to book anything off work or needs to know when the potential. Obviously, we now know the potential kickoff for England's games for the rest of the tournament. So, does that, do you want me to tell you? I'm not going to be tempting fate too much. As long as they're all seven pm. Uh, seven, well. So the last sixteen is seven pm on Sunday. The quarterfinal would be the following Saturday, 7pm. The semi-final will be the following Wednesday at 7pm, and then the final is on the Sunday at 8pm. Nice.
3: That's like 11 o'clock in Qatar,
2: as if the play... We'll finish at like 1am, and that's if there's not extra time. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or a load yeah. of AR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Or
3: just a, just a load of goals and subs in general, and the ball being out of play, and we'll get 20 minutes added
2: time and then extra time as well. Um, also, interestingly, England's last 16 game and potential quarterfinal and semi final games will all take place at the Alcor Stadium. So it's the second largest venue in the tournament, holding 68,895, and is the most northern venue in the competition. England's training base is nearest to the stadium, which is most southern. I don't think the travel going to be much of an issue because it's such a condensed area, isn't it, that they're playing in? Um, but it's nice, I'd say, if England are going to be going through into the latter stages, it's nice that they're going to get sort of in the same stadium. It's going to feel a bit more homely and a bit more sort of natural surroundings, isn't it, as they get into the quarterfinal and semifinal? I can't believe you just described Qatar as homely. No, I meant the I meant the I meant the stadium, the, the stadium itself, because they'll be playing in the same stadium.
3: Yeah, it'll just be familiar. I knew what you meant, mate, but it just sounded <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always an advantage to keep playing in the same place if you can. Uh, obviously, we saw that take great effect in the Euros when we played nearly every game at Wembley, apart from one. Um, and funnily enough, the one game we didn't play at Wembley was the highest score we had in that tournament. So, um, yeah, I mean, familiarity is is always good. I've butchered that word completely, but I'm going to carry on anyway. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a good thing, um, and I think we will progress past Senegal, but I don't think it'll be
2: easy. Okay. Well, one player we won't be progressing with is Ben White, who it is emerged has left the squad and returned home for personal reasons um arsenal have tweeted we're all with you ben so obviously we're not going to dwell on on what the you know, what the issue the reasons are just 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 best wishes
3: to ben white i think is the is the only thing we can say really and i hope everything's all right and it all works out and it's not as bad as it apparently seems so let's just yeah
2: hope. all three of us just say sort of best uh, yeah, best wishes to ben white and yeah, I seeing to out on the football pitch soon. So, shall we move into the Senegal game?
3: Supposed to be dad, haven't we? <clears throat>
0: There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Now, I have a mountain of statistics. I'm going to reel them all off, (laughs) OK? Go. There, There have been no previous meetings between England and Senegal. However, Senegal did play Team GB at the 2012 Olympics, Drew 1-1 one, one in the group stage. Can you remember who scored G- Team GB's goal? You'll never get it in a million years.
3: Probably. I went to the, not that game, but I went to the Olympics and watched Team GB. And I saw him in the first game. The Is going like, um, to be
4: someone like, from Soccer some...
3: like Jonathan
4: Wilkes or something?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, f- I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a striker who never actually
2: played for England um ah, I know story you you one. are correct with with he is a striker who ne- definitely never played for England <laughs> so he's well <laughs> Craig Bellamy <laughs> Craig Bellamy yeah um six <laughs> England players have scored at this World Cup which equals the record set in 2018. 9 goals is the most England have scored in a group stage, beating the 8th they scored in 2018, and is already the 3rd highest scoring World Cup overall. We scored 11 goals in 66 and 12 in 2018. The 3-0 win over Wales was our joint 3rd highest winner to World Cup, behind the 6-1 win, 6-1 win over Panama and 6-2 win over Iran earlier in this competition. England have only faced one African side in the knockout stages. A 3-2 win over Cameroon in the 1990 quarterfinals when David Platt and two Garolinica penalties saw us go through an extra time. In the World Cup overall versus African sides, England have drawn 0-0 with Morocco with 86, Algeria in 2010 and Nigeria in 2002 and beat Egypt 1-0 in 1990, Tunisia 2-0 in 98, and Tunisia again. Two one in two thousand and eighteen, all those matches taking place in the group stage. In seven last sixteen games, England have only lost twice, which was the four one hammering by Germany in twenty ten, and the loss to penalty on penalties to Argentina in ninety eight after Beckham got himself sent off just after half time. Um, this is Senegal's third World Cup. In two thousand and two, they beat the then champions France. Before qualifying for the knockouts, where a golden goal helped them beat Sweden in the last 16, before another golden goal, this time for Turkey, knocked them out in the quarterfinals. Um, this seems quite apt, really. In 2018, they failed to qualify for the knockouts on yellow cards after finishing level on points, goal difference, goal scored, and head to head with Japan. So it feels like after tonight's um, near, nearly happened again, didn't it? <laughs> Um, England used 20 players in the group stage, uh, but only two played every minute of the three games. So which two England players do you think played every minute of the group stage? Yeah, that's the easy one. John Stones. Yeah, John John Stones is the other one. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, Maguire went yeah. off the old <laughs> Um England are the only team yet to pick up a card in the tournament, which is good. And all yeah. yellow cards after the quarterfinals get knocked off. So the only way we get a suspension from now to now and the end of the tournament is either a red card or if somebody gets booked in the next two games, should we get through. However, Senegal are missing key midfielder Idrissa Gay after he picked up his second yellow card in their last group game. He's a big loss because he has the most crosses, the most sprints, the most distance covered, and the most defensive pressures applied for Senegal in this tournament. (laughs) They also have five other players who are one yellow card away from a suspension. And that is the end of that. He is a
3: big miss when you're already missing Sadio Mane. Adrisagana Gate is a huge miss. Um, And he shocked me a little bit when they, not by playing him, but by where they played him. They played him as a number 10. Now, whenever he was at Everton, um, PSG, he was a defensive midfielder. So, playing him at number 10 completely threw me off, but he had a great game. Um, and he is a huge, huge loss
2: for Senegal. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, just looking at that there, most crosses, most sprints, most distance covered, most defensive pressures applied. He is literally that is everything to the game, isn't he? He's got, <laughs> he's the most attacking player they've got, and and obviously is like, you know, he's the the most defen the best defensive player they've got, and most effective defensive player as well. Yeah, he's, he's such a good
3: little player. I've, I've always rated him. And, um, like, he played the season for Villa, then he went to Everton. Obviously, that was a bit of a turn-off when he went to Everton, being a Liverpool <laughs> fan. But I appreciate that he's, he's a very good player, and he earned his move to PSG. Um, but, yeah, huge, huge loss. I'm a, I'm a big fan of a Drissagana game. The, this game in particular will be a big loss to the match itself as a spectacle because I just think it weakens them so much when they're already weak without money. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean you you always get the impression, don't you, with Senegal? I think they're gonna be a, they feel like they're gonna be a tough physical hard work inside. Is is that the impression you've got from them so far, Lee? Um if
4: you look at the team that they've played and the results that they've got, it, it's hard to be to be sort of too worried about them. They've, they've played Qatar, who I, I think we could probably put a team together and give them a game. Um, they, they got past Ecuador, which is, which is a tough game, but they, they squeaked past. And now they're missing an influential player. I, I'm not particularly concerned about them. I, I think this is a match that England should be able to win. And I'm actually feeling quite confident uh, going into it. I was quite reserved about the other two games, but, but this one, I I'd be really, really surprised if we were to lose this game.
2: So I mean, so for you then, I mean, we take obviously Henderson came in for Wales. Now, would Jordan Henderson keep his place in your midfield there, or would you be going more expansive? Would you be, you know, Mason Mount back in, or, or even a, a Phil Foden dropping him and you know and, and having basically an extra attacker on the pitch, sort of by playing him in midfield.
4: Well, Henderson, he's not going to be able to play, or you, at least you would think that if we're going to get through to all the way to the final, that every game might be a big ask for Henderson. So you don't want to start sort of relying on him. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see if he played Rice and, and perhaps uh, Phillips in the middle and keep Bellingham um, sort of just behind uh, Kane. I, I prefer Bellingham playing a little bit more advanced. I think he's got really, really fast, clever feet, and he can make a lot of impact and let other players behind him do a bit more of the grafting. So, so Henderson could play again, but you saw the knock he took as well. It, he he uh, let out quite a scream. It was really worrying at first, but he was tough enough to get back up. Um, so, he, he might just want to want to rest for a game anyway. So I, I don't think it matters. Uh, Drew Bellingham, yeah, I'm sure it was Drew Bellingham alluded to it in the post-match interviews. And he said they're quite confident that whichever set of players they put in, that they're going to just blend in and they're going to play pretty much the same game. And it does appear to be that way for us. Uh, we've, we've got such an array of talent, but a great understanding of what the, the overall team objective is.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jamie, for you, I mean, would you have Henderson? I mean, Lee's Lee's obviously made sort of a. A good argument there is to you know, pushing uh, Jude Bellingham further forward. Who would you begin? Would you be bringing Mount back in, dropping Foden, leaving Henderson in there to be more combative against sort of the Senegal? You know, make sure we win that midfield battle.
3: I, I think what I would personally do here is I probably leave Jordan Henderson out of this game. Um, like as you have said, it's trying to get so many games out of him in the run up, and I think that you can put an 11 on the pitch that will beat this team that doesn't contain Jordan Henderson, and you could do it in multiple ways. And I think that Henderson needs to be saved for the bigger games. If you want to go deep in this tournament, you need your leaders. And um, I just don't think that you need Jordan Henderson in this game unless you are trailing and you need a bit of calmness about it. I would personally stick with Declan Rice um, and Jude Bellingham as a two, and play Foden at ten, Rashford on the left or right, and then Saka the other side. That'd be the way
2: I go to support Kane. And go four two three one. So would you have Foden staying up and staying in that ten role, then not sort of dropping into midfield if needed, or linking and taking the ball off yeah. midfield? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, precisely, that's what I'd have him
3: do, because that is, at the minute, when we're not playing with a 10, that's what Harry Kane's doing, and it's fair enough, it's working, but he's then playing the ball out to your wingers, trying to be creative, and then they've got no one to cross it to, because where your striker meant to be is in the box. So I just think sometimes that England miss a trick not having the number 10, so Kane doesn't have to keep doing that. Yeah, I mean,
2: on, on the subject of Henderson, um, just just sort of playing devil's advocate there, there's six days between the last 16 game and the potential quarterfinal should we get through. And then there's only four days then between the, set, the quarterfinal and the semifinal, semifinal and the final. So, does the fact there's nearly a week's gap, does that influence the manager's decision on, on whether to play Jordan? I mean, it could do. But
3: personally, I think if you rest him here, because you've got them games then going over a shorter time span, he's had the rest beforehand, where he can go... If he wants him to be an important member of the team, going into them games, playing hours, 75 minutes, 90 minutes, if he needs an extra time, Jordan Henderson's going to have had the rest beforehand. Why? If you know you've got a guy who maybe might struggle... He's not been playing 90 minutes for Liverpool every week. um, And sometimes he's not even played. So i mean if i was managing his minutes and i saw him as a big influence which i probably think gareth southgate does i'd manage him in the games
2: that you don't need to use him in,
3: and i don't think this is a game
2: i mean i mean you know lee do you think there's any danger or any sort of chance shall i say that that we revert back to the three center backs game that we're now sort of in the knockout stages and there's going to be a potential quarterfinal with france on the horizon if the manager's thinking about maybe playing three at the back in that game, could he start this game that way?
4: If he was thinking that way, but um, I'd, I'd be I'd be a little surprised. I'd, I'd be more disappointed if he did. I, I quite like the way that this team plays. I think over the three matches, okay, the USA game wasn't great and wasn't the most spectacular game, but over the three games, we've done well. We've got no cards. We've looked in. We've looked pretty much in control uh, at most of it. Like um, I say, that the no cards is a great achievement, by the way, as well to do it the way that we have. We've let in two two silly goals, as far as I'm concerned, in the first game when the, the game had gone a bit silly. Um, but other than that, and since that, we've we've been great. Um I think now move, moving into the knockout stages, the formation. Why would you change it? They look good. They, they look composed we should just fancy our chances against anybody. We, sh- we shouldn't be looking at France. We shouldn't be looking one game ahead and worrying about who's to come. We can beat France. They're good, but they're not the greatest side you've ever seen. And besides that, you you want to become that side, don't you? you you've got to just go for it and believe that you can beat them. I think if you take Mbappe away from France, that I won't say the average, but they're certainly not the, the scary side that they are uh, with him there. Um, but, you know, we... We've got defenders who train and defend against top players too. That Mbappe doesn't he isn't the be-all and end-all. We could keep him quiet. But we're going to give them something to think about as well. It's going to frustrate them. He can have a bad game, and we could have a great game. So I don't think we should be worried about formation at all. Um, about changing it or trying to adapt it or second-guessing who we're playing. You know, this time or next or whatever. We should just play our strongest team and, and believe that it's going to be good enough to beat anyone who, who we're up against.
2: I mean, talking about Mbappe there. I mean, I, I know we are sort of looking ahead here. It's a dangerous thing to do, you know. We need, we need to respect Senegal. And that um, would you be playing Kyle Walker in this game or Kieran Trippier? I seem to remember Kyle Walker having one of the game, one of the best games I've seen him have up against Mbappe in the Champions League, where he obviously used his pace and we matched him stride for stride. <laughs> I'd be tempted to put Walker, keep Walker in this, this team for that reason, you know, to give him 90 minutes and see if he is you know, fit and ready to go to, to play a team like France.
4: My concern there, Dan, would be that um, since that um, point in the past, Mbappe's only got better. And I'm not sure that Kyle Walker is the same player that he was then. Um, so it, it could just be that 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 doesn't replay the same way too, and and Mbappe is sort of I'll say make makes a mug of him, but he, he gives him a harder game than he expects. I personally p- play the guy who's going to kick him the hardest, so I, I'd probably go for Trippier, um, and and that's it's not beautiful football, but that is a good way of dealing with him, and I think he just needs a, a bit of close attention. Yeah, well,
2: what, about, what about you, Jamie? I mean, we've got sort of good options there, haven't we? At right back, obviously. We haven't even mentioned Trent really in that conversation. I mean, who would you be? Who would you be playing at right back in this game against Senegal, and then, you know potentially looking forward.
3: Against Senegal, I'd probably go with Trippier, and then if we get through, I think you'll look at France and think they're very good attacking players: Giroud, Griezmann, and Mbappe, um, Usman Dembele. I think they'll. Um, They'll go back to the three at the back, two wing-backs, and I think they'll use Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier um, to to double up on Mbappe. I think that's what they'll do. That's probably the way I'd do it as well, Um, because you've got Walker's pace in there, so Trippier can still get forward, but Trippier's got a lot more defensive now than Trent, and if you're playing against Mbappe, and I love Trent Alexander-Arnold, but... I'd trust him less against Mbappe than I would Kyle Walker or Kieran Trappier.
2: Yeah, so I've, I've, you'd have Walkers like that right-sided centre half.
3: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just purely for his pace, because of Mbappe. Like we know, Trippy is not the quickest footballer in the world, but he's got a good footballing brain. So he, he'll uh, he'll have it. He'll think it quick in his head. Won't be able to do it with his legs. But that's what Kyle Walker's yeah. there. For. Then
2: have Maguire battling with Giroud and Stones looking after yeah. Griezmann. Which just yeah. leaves Paul, Luke Shaw. yeah, because I think Stones are bully Green. Yeah, you? just leaves Paul, sure, having Usman Dembele. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I'd I'd suppose John
3: Stones would be in the middle of that back three, so it might be Stones against Giroud and McGuire Elgin. Well, yeah, I suppose sure. they,
2: they, they could alternate it depending on how you know how France. Yeah, on. but that is in the future, isn't it? Let's. We need yeah. not once, not get too carried away. We don't want to egg on our face. <laughs> um, no. Senegal, we should. I, I feel confident, let's let, sort of as Lee intimated as well. Feel confident that we will get past this hurdle. Um, especially now, so they like say Gay's out, Marnay's out, sort of lost the two sort of key two key players there for them, aren't they? Um, they have still got Ismail Issa, though, who. Although a championship player with Watford is still a danger on the ball. He's still a very good footballer. And then, obviously, Mendy and goal, although erratic <laughs> and not the most consistent, is capable of being a one-man wall on his day if he just happens to hit that bit of form, isn't he? Uh, yeah, but I think,
3: I mean, he's been displaced in the Chelsea squad by Kepper. Um, And I mean, I think that says it all about Chelsea's goalkeeping situation. Um, That has somehow got himself back in there. But yeah, uh, I I don't know. I don't trust Mendy. Uh, He looked great when he first came into Chelsea. He's had shaky moments in this World Cup. I don't think Senegal are convinced by him. Um, He's just the best keeper they've got. Uh, But I, I think a big thing for them will be Koulibaly at the back. Um, he is now their their best player um, that will be in the 11 um, and I think if we can rattle him early because he's erratic um, if you can get him on an early yellow you could potentially get him Yeah, i he ju-
2: just netted his first international goal as well in the final group game Um, he's yeah. took his time with that, he's about 33 uh, 31, 31 he is what's took him so long yeah <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, no fair point. But I mean, if you look at his, like I said, you could get him sent off. He's played nine games for Chelsea in the league this season. Have four yellow cards and a red. <laughs> I mean, it's you've got to be you've got to be aiming to get it in. Get your Foden's and your Sackers and your Rashford's running it in, and you'll be getting fouls all day long. Yeah,
2: I mean, you you said that you'd have Foden as the ten, sort of you know, linking the midfield and the attack. Yeah. You've got your playing out. And then you said you had Rashford and Saka. So there's no no place in your side for Raheem Sterling then? Uh,
3: No, I just don't think he did enough in the... He played the full game first game, didn't he? Um, And he played all right, but he didn't do anything in the America game. Um, When we played USA, he did nothing. And then when you've got Rashford and Foden both coming in and scoring... Like e- even if one of them drops out, it doesn't mean Sterling gets back in because I think Saka was better than him in the opening two games as well. And no
2: place for Mason Mount?
3: It, well, yeah, I mean, it's controversial, but Mason Mount would never get in <laughs> my squad, so I'm never going to pick him.
2: Um, <laughs> Someone so said earlier on that it's, um, it's interesting, isn't it, with you rest a few players in a game like the Wales game, you just make a few changes just to it things up and then the players who come in end up taking the place of the, the players who just had a had a, busy comments, a rest. <laughs> yeah, but that's what
3: you want. In a tournament game, in a tournament football, if you've got players who can come off the bench and do what they did, that's that's a great spot. Yeah, and it's
4: all set up very well now, aren't we? If you look at it going into the next few games, if you ask people, you know, how would they line up now? everyone's got a different answer when we picked the team at at first it was pretty we're all sort of very similar in in the in the 11 we go with but now when you look across that front it it could be any combination if you're the opposing manager you're not really sure what to prepare for got a lot of different tools there and and we could play the same four players but put them in different positions as well that that's the kind of flexibility we've got there so yeah
3: and we've not we've we've not mentioned Jack Grealish. At all.
4: But you know he's coming on anyway because everyone wants to see a bit of Jack Greeley's, yeah. don't they? You know,
3: <laughs> I think Gareth he's says he to understands.
4: You know, he just gets his
2: anyway. size and <laughs> calves. <laughs> 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 Get him on for the ladies. <laughs> um I mean, so yeah, so Liam your side. I mean, I take it we've all got Pickford in goal. Yeah. See, the back four, you of going Trippier, Maguire, Stone, Shaw. Yeah. Rice Bellingham midfield. I mean, where'd you go from there? Have you got a third midfielder or have you got a uh, number ten like Jamie?
4: No, I, I actually I, I think i am gonna go with Rice and Phillips. Um it Phillips is he's no picked up no injuries or concerns, has he? No, no, so he, he sort of come yeah. through the
2: game against Wales, didn't yeah,
4: he? Yeah, I think he'll play him then. I think it'd be them two um with Bellingham. Um then the front three of Kane. Um, I think he might actually be tempted to go with uh, Foden on the left, and one of Saka or Rashford on the right. I, I say one of Saka and Rashford because I, I think he might just look at him train them and see how yeah, they feeling. Of, you know, Rashford's very very confident at the minute. He, if he's carried that bounce into training, and he looks like he's ready to go, we might think I can't not play him
2: yeah you just sort of think that either rashford's the one with his tail up at the minute yeah um obviously he got three goals suckers or he you know, got himself a couple of goals as well do do they are sort of interchangeable aren't they and he knows that if if it was that you know they're not affecting the game even as early as half time he can just pull one off and put somebody else on
4: nice luxury to have and and I think the fact that the the players that he's got they're all pretty much intelligent enough to play on the left or the right and to know the job and and, and to be able to to be just as effective uh, as each other almost. Uh, fantastic luxury to have.
2: Yeah, nice thing to have like during the game as well. I mean, it, you know, it's, if you're not having any luck against one fullback, switch them over like we did on against Wales and then all of a sudden that just all clicks into action then.
4: They seem to switch over, and the one thing that remains the same is Harry Kane's operated in the middle, pulling the strings, and the understanding with him is always there. He's he's really alert to the players around him, the system around him, and and I think that's why England are actually really difficult to play against. If you look at that the game against Wales, the first half, we weren't particularly satisfied with what we saw. It doesn't look great from our point of view, but when you saw the Welsh manager being interviewed after the game. And he's he's basically saying that, you know, that's the way to go out of the World Cup, that first-half performance. It, it just showed that they, they had to work hard to keep us at bay. They really did, but not an, a nice team to play against at all. And I've seen it a couple of times now where they score and then they turn the heat up straight away. They did it against Iran as well. They turned the heat up, they scored, and I think it was, it was between the third and the fourth goal. And they went for it and pressed and they got another goal straight away. And we've got that aggression about us now and and that belief that we can do it. Um, I'm I'm really quite excited about the team, to be honest. But this is what they do to you, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think, like you say there, they seem to be quite happy to be patient, don't they? They don't want to, not that they don't want to score, but they're quite happy to go in 0-0 at half-time because it's all about playing the long game. It's all about wearing the opposition down. That's what they did to Wales. They wore them down. They moved them constantly, left to right, left to right, up and up. And they never let Wales have the ball for an extended amount of time. They never let them settle. And they made them chase and work hard. And then, after half-time, like you say, they upped the level. They they pushed on and became a bit more forceful in going forward. And Wales' legs, by that point, had gone because of how much chasing they'd done. And they were easy pickings for England, and it's the sign of a very well well structured side and a side that knows its jobs and everybody knows their role and what they what they need to do.
4: I, I don't think anybody wants to play us ideally, and as, no. as much as they may dislike us and not want to admit that, that's absolutely fine. But I, I I don't think that England are one of those sides where ideally I think you'd think okay if we have to play them, I've we'll play them in the final. That's the kind of sort of the, the the kind of team that we're we're in the in the hat with. So I think there's a we're up there, and I think that France are in that group. I do think Brazil consider themselves in that group. Um, we'll wait and see with them when it comes to the proper games, uh, and the same with Spain as well. Um, I'd, I'd say those four in Argentina, who, who now do seem to have a bit of momentum as well, they'll be dangerous. But what if you got to win now? Four games, the trophy is yours.
2: Yeah. It's not a lot, is it? No. Nope. I mean, like, I mean, we said, didn't we? Obviously, there's only you know very was it three teams in eighty two years, two years, two teams in ninety two years that have managed to win, uh, you know, every game all the way through, uh, won every group game and gone on to win it. Obviously, France have dropped points, England have dropped points, Argentina have dropped points, um. Brazil came very close to dropping points, but didn't. And obviously they've got a final group game. So, again, it's you know a lot of your favourites there have already had that sort of hiccup. So it's going to be interesting, you know, who gets back on track. And it's, uh, I mean, France played a completely different side, didn't they, today, in their game. But still, um, you look on paper, you still would have expected them to win that game. You it was
4: it's psychologically yeah. now? It's different, isn't it? Now, now we've got to knockout football. But the games are going to feel different to every player, and and we might see a different side to to many players as well.
2: Yeah, it's it's all about pressure now, isn't it, Jamie? And who who holds um, the mental strength as well? And a lot of I think this is where experience can be so vital as well. With you know past experience of knockout football in these kind of tournaments. Yeah,
3: definitely. Um, like, and England have got that now. It's something we've not had like consistently for a long time. We always used to get to like last sixteen quarter finals. Now we're making semis. We're making finals, um, and we're playing in these third and fourth place games and stuff like that. And yeah, and it's it's good from an England perspective. I think the teams that you've mentioned have all got solid chances. Uh, my only concern with Argentina, and I know Lee said that they've gained a bit of confidence now, is that when you look at that Argentina team, apart from Lionel Messi, who gets in the England squad.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've got Alex McAllister in there, who sounds Scottish, but...
3: <laughs> well, his, his parents are Scottish, aren't they? something to do with his grandparents. Yeah, I think
2: he's got some heritage, are not he, from Scotland? But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, I, obviously, you know, he, he, no disrespect to Brighton, but there aren't many, I mean, Lamb Lamptey could play for England, he's Brighton regular, you know, one of the stars of Brighton, and he ends up going to play for Garner because he knew he wouldn't get the England team. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's just, when I look at some of these squads that are knocking about and are going to be in the knockout football, there isn't many players I'd take from there that would get in over what we've got. So when I look at Argentina, you'd only take Messi if um, spain have got a couple more i'd, I'd potentially look at taking like maybe gabby and Pedri because i think they're both great players and they're still both very young um and then you're looking at mbappe from france um, i'd take kante but he's not in the squad um, I guess, and that would probably be about it because I, I
2: think this world cup is probably the most open world cup in quite a long time there is no stand outside. Um, there's no Spain no. from 2010. There's no France from 18. Although they you know, didn't start on fire, did they? they just gained momentum as they went on. No. Um, you know, there's no Brazil of of you know 2002 where they just looked. You know, they had like Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, and it just looks fantastic.
3: We were the only ones to give them a game.
2: Yeah. In that tournament. Until, until until the day of Forgot that moment over his head, and I saw that goal again earlier on. He's brought the it all back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was devastated. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think the injuries to Pogba, to Kante, to um, to uh, well, Benzema, of Benzimor. course, yeah, so his name then, uh, to Benzema have that sort of brought France back down into everybody else's sort of level, that they would, on some paper, they probably would have had the... Uh, if there was anybody who you'd say, they've got a great squad above, it would have been them. But with those three yeah. key players missing, as as rough as Padre is for a club, he's yeah. quite a thing. He turns it on, onto for France. So... Uh,
0: yeah, he's a yeah. animal. A <laughs> so, animal taking
2: those three out of that side, I think that makes it a little more level playing field now. And I think... When uh, yeah. I mean, we mentioned those sides, I mean, Argentina, England, Spain, Brazil, France, one of those will go out in the last 16, I reckon. There will be a shock. Yeah,
3: yeah I, I agree. Yeah, there's, there's always a shock in there. Um, and I think the thing England need to avoid is to get dragged in. This goes for any game, not just against Senegal. Don't get dragged into a slugfest. Because I don't think we're good enough to play end-to-end football. I think we're vulnerable when we get into an end-to-end game because I don't think we we regroup quick enough. Like our our footballers are very clever and have got good footballing brains. I just don't think they've got enough about them to click in a ever-changing situation. So when a game's going from one end to the other, don't think they're bright enough to do it. Yeah,
2: like you know, teams like France with a lot of pace, you know, on the wings, they will want to. Open the game up, aren't they, and get get you know open space, get space for Mbappe and Dembele and that. Yeah. And then you've got sort of your Argentina. They'll want space to get people like Messi on the ball, and also they'll want you know people like Di Maria will love the opportunity for it to be hectic, where you can sort of you go and win free kicks and and so you that that can be sort of, their game and that. and obviously, yeah. you know, with Argentina as well, it always comes with the sort of the play acting side of it all, does not it as well?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know what you're going to get from Argentina every time you play them, um, and they will they will go down. I mean, look at that pe- uh, penalty <laughs> Messi got tonight. I'm sorry, but it, it's it's insane that, that it was even given, and his reaction was even worse. Um, but, yeah, so you know what you're going to get from Argentina. They, they're going to do that. Um, I'd much prefer to play them over France, but I'm also not
2: scared of France. No. Um, I, I, on his reaction, did you see his reaction to Lewandowski towards the end?
3: Oh, yeah, when he like he came up, and I didn't think that was a foul, either. Lewandowski just used his body, and then Messi was fuming, and he just went and apologised to him, and yeah. he just ignored him. Because
2: he's Strange. He plays for Barcelona, and he doesn't anymore. <laughs>
3: <laughs> going to into Miami if reports are to be mm. believed
2: for redonkulous amounts of money. Yeah. Um, I think I think we've pretty much done this, haven't we? Now we've 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 enlightened everybody. Yeah. We've um, everyone knows how we're going to play. Me personally, uh, I'm giving sort of my sort of my team. Um, I would start with henderson just to get a grip on the team that would have been my it would be a win with rice and bellingham yeah. probably pushing bellingham a little bit more forward similar to what lee says um try and sort of get a control of the game early doors and then like i say bring phillips on for some minutes later on you know if we can sort of get a nice to sort of get a couple of goals in front uh rashford and foden and kane would be my front three similar to what it was against wales and I'm going to go for a 2-0 with Kane and Rashford. Are going to be scoring my goals. Uh, predictions, lads? Jamie, you first.
3: I think we're looking at an England 2-0 victory as well. Um, Rashford and uh, Foden again. I don't think Kane gets on the score sheet.
4: Okay, I'm going to go 4-0. Uh, Kane hat-trick. Uh,
2: Maguire header coming home it's coming home that one way to finish it's coming home see you all in the next round hopefully
0: yep see you later away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply See McDonald's.com.